Two Kids in a Career is produced by Jill Devine Media. The Jim Jesse Memorial Foundation helps with financial assistance. And the other thing that I'm really, really excited about is we fund free mental health care for parents on the neurology floor at Children's Hospital. And that has been really important to me because I don't know what I would have done without my therapist when June was alive. And I'm so happy that these parents have somebody that knows what they're going through, like who knows how to, who's just, it's just easy for them to connect with. Two Kids in a Career is brought to you by Blondin Real Estate. They're a family-owned boutique-style brokerage with over 40 years of experience serving the counties that surround St. Louis. See the properties they have to offer at BlondinRealEstate.com. That's BlondinRealEstate.com. Hi there, and welcome to Two Kids in a Career. I'm Jill Devine. As an entrepreneur, wife, and mama, the daily grind of trying to build a business while taking care of kids and trying to maintain a healthy connection with my hubby, it's a lot. With this podcast, you're going to hear candid conversations with other moms, parenting experts who can share their knowledge and insight, or you'll just hear me rambling to get it all out. There's going to be tears, there's going to be laughter, but most importantly, there will be support. Take a listen and connect with me so we can grow and learn from one another. This is Two Kids and a Career. Welcome to episode 77 of the podcast. I am going to go ahead and put this out there now. Would you consider rating and reviewing the podcast? Uh, One thing that I've learned about the podcasting world, and it's a continuous education process, that when a podcast gets rated and reviewed on the platform that you choose, that means the probability of it getting into the hands of people that don't know about it is higher. And it's so super important to get this podcast in the hands of others for specific topics like what we're going to talk about today. But let me first introduce my guests. As you know, at the end of every episode, I have the super mom shout out. And I feel like maybe this is the first, I'm going to have to go back, but I think this is my first super mom that was nominated that got the shout out and now she's a guest on the podcast let me welcome jenny jesse to the podcast hello hi jill i'm so happy to be here so i want to read the nomination first and this is exactly why you're on the podcast so allison nominated you and she said and, and this nomination happened in episode 72. You can see the shout out on Instagram and Facebook at Jill Devine. And you can also hear it on the episode that I just mentioned, episode 72. But the shout out goes like this. Ginny Jesse is a super mom in more ways than one. As co-founder and executive director of the June Jesse Memorial Foundation, she passionately supports children with medically complex neurological conditions and their families. She tirelessly continues to find ways to bring needed resources and financial assistance to these families and has created a supportive and understanding community to provide comfort on their journeys battling complicated diagnoses. Ginny does this all in loving memory of her daughter, June, who passed away shortly before her fourth birthday in 2016 due to complications of her own rare neurological condition. Ginny's personal courageous journey as June's mom is very inspiring in itself And she spreads so much love to others every day while also caring for her two little boys, June's younger brothers, George and Peter. Ginny, I am so 
ready to talk to you. Let me first say that that line in there about making others feel loved and supported. Okay, I don't have a child with any condition that you are supporting and you have already made me feel loved and supported with some of the things that you've done leading up to this interview that I can only imagine what these other individuals are experiencing with you. So I want to just thank you for that in the first place. I mean, I can feel it and I, I, we've never met and I just can definitely feel that. I'm, I wish you could see me smiling. I'm like smiling so big. So thank you. Um, I love doing it. So before we talk about how, you know, the different things that we've talked about leading up to this podcast and something that you did for me, we need to talk about you and the story and how this all came to be. Uh, This is super important. And I really, really, truly believe, as I say in pretty much every single episode, one person will be affected by this, at least one person. And whether that person is the direct caregiver of a child or they know someone, this information is going to be invaluable. So let's start at the beginning. Well, it's a long, kind of a long and complicated story, but um, so I'll do my best to be, um, you know, kind of succinct. But uh, so I had a healthy pregnancy Um, June was, uh, late. She was actually like a little over a week late and I still had to be induced and there were no signs that anything was going to be wrong with her health. And, but that all changed. She didn't pass the newborn hearing screening at the hospital. So, um, the next day after she was born at night and then the next day, you know, they told me, oh, she didn't pass the newborn hearing screening but she probably has fluid in her ears. Um, it's no big deal. We're, we'll test her again tomorrow. And then they tested her again. And then they said she didn't pass again, but still probably not a big deal. Um, but here's a follow-up. But you needed to make a follow-up appointment to an audiologist. And the, cl- the soonest they could get me in was six weeks, which was so long um, mm. to wait um, to like find out if she really had hearing loss. And at the time, um, I was so upset just by that. I think like, it just kind of shook me like, like all of a sudden, like, like I never even thought that anything could go like that there could be something that wasn't, um, that like any kind of birth defect or anything like that. And that was just hearing loss. And then when we got to the audiologist, um, they told us that, she does have hearing loss and actually it's a type of hearing loss that's associated with her brain. It was called auditory neuropathy and it was how her brain processes sounds. So everything like all the parts and um, things were there, but it wasn't, her brain wasn't um, interpreting it correctly. And I remember saying to the ENT, the doctor saying, well, if that's wrong, how do we know there's nothing else wrong with her brain? And then she said, we, we won't, we just have to wait and see if she starts, if she meets her milestones. And so I was just like, I, at that time, I know, um, at that time I, um, I was not a patient person. I didn't like to wait. Um, and I needed to know answers right away. So being told that I was kind of 
like, what do you mean we just have to wait? And um, so we went home and um, meanwhile, then like, you know, then you're dealing with all the hormones of just being a new mom anyway. And then- And a first time mom. A first time mom. And then just like scared. And I was, I felt so, I've never, I don't think I've ever felt so alone in my life because I had never- known anyone who had um, a child with a disability or anything like that. And um, so it, at that time, it felt like it was just happening to us. Now I know so many people and I've um, heard so many different stories and, but at the time I just, it felt like personal. I almost, if that makes sense. And then um, eight weeks went, then several weeks later, she started doing these kind of arm movements and eye rolls. I thought it looked really funny. And I remember saying, someone I, saying, I remember someone telling me that their brother had seizures and it was just an arm movement. And at the time, I didn't know that seizures could just be eye rolls or eye movements. I thought you had to be shaking to have a seizure. Um, but when... And I remember my friend telling me that and June was doing that. And I remember calling the pediatrician and saying, I think she has a, she's having a seizure. And they were like, well, do you have seizures in your family? And I said, no, but I think this is a seizure. And they kind of dismissed me as like a new mom and Mm. anxious. And so then I, I did end up taking her to the ER and then they, there, they told me that, um, there, they also told me that it wasn't seizures and that. I was just um, new mom jitters and all this stuff. And um, they sent me home and then she kept doing it and doing it. And finally I went back like a week later and I was like, this is not normal baby behavior. Like, I know you're telling me it is, there's something wrong. And they like looked at her more extensively and they, then they told me, yes, she is having seizures and it's actually the worst type of seizure you could have, basically. It's called infantile spasms. And so then we just went into, like, how do we get these to stop mode? And so it was just, like, a big roller coaster and um, that whole first year. And then um, it was one thing after the other. Like, then her kidneys started not working. She had vision issues. Um failure to thrive. So she wasn't eating. Um, we moved to Colorado to try medical marijuana for her, like it was an oil. And after that, you know, we just kind of realized that there wasn't really anything that we could do, um, to fix what was going on, get her seizures to stop. And, um, she passed away in 2016. Um, when she, yeah, right before she was about four years old. During this time, was she, and I, and maybe this is going to be a weird question because you were the first time mom. Did she seem like a quote unquote normal child? Yes. Um, at first, you know, I mean, to me, she looked perfect and looked there didn't, you know, how there are some syndromes where there's um, genetic syndromes where there's like a a look or, you know, um, something. And there's, and so there wasn't anything like that. Um, It became pretty obvious, you know, when she she was basically developmentally like a newborn baby her whole life. And when I say that, I mean, like, she didn't have head control. She couldn't, 
she couldn't um, take her hand, like let's say she wanted to pick up an object, she couldn't pick up an object and bring it to her mouth. Um, she just didn't have any control over her um, her body system, you know, uh, so nothing. So that's what, what I mean, like developmentally like that. So it became more obvious as she got older, but you know, those first like three to six months, no, you couldn't, you couldn't tell. Poor sweet girl. Um, uh, okay. So you go back to, and, and, and maybe you're going to answer this coming up, but you go back to the whole, no, no signs during your pregnancy, even you give birth and it's just like, ah, you know, I, I think everything's going to be fine. You're fine. And I can't even imagine, like, I remember, first of all, when you're pregnant in general, you're kind of a basket case, even though your doctor's like, just try not to be, you don't want to be stressed. And I know being that advanced maternal age for me, it was always stressful. It was like in the back of my mind, every single day that I am able to carry this baby is a good sign. And, but knowing that you're just like, ah, well then if you know that your baby has potentially something like they're like, okay, we're not 100% sure, but this is what we see. Well, then that's terrifying. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. then you go back and you're like prepared for this healthy baby and everything is going to be a-okay. And it's not, ah, I mean, I know things happen. I get it. I understand. It doesn't make it any easier, but especially right then, like right after you're giving birth. Oh gosh. It's horrible. I mean, I almost wish like, did we have to do the newborn hearing screening? Like, I don't know. I, I mean, on the one hand, it like put me on the alert, but um, I wish um, I could have had like just um, some time you know, just to bond with June in like a, not that I didn't, but I bonded with her, but it, it wasn't an instant, you know, I was like afraid to, you yeah. know, and I know it's hearing and like looking back, I'm kind of like, I don't want to offend anyone with hearing loss. It's just like this first sign that something, it something's going to be different than what you expected. And yeah. it can seem larger in the, um, especially when it, when you're a first time mom and when you're, um, when it's the first time, you know, and like you said, you know, I was, I didn't even think anything cause I was, um, like 29 when I had her. So I didn't, it just didn't cross my, I don't, I, I just didn't think anything could happen. You know, I don't know. It was just, I, I was very naive. Uh, and it was, it was hard. I couldn't go into her room for a while. Um, you know, cause I like decorated her room. Yeah. Um, like with my boys, when I was pregnant with them, I didn't do anything. I was just like, I'm not, uh, you know, I mean, I got a crib and stuff like that, but I, you know, I, I didn't really put anything up. I just didn't, um, I, I, you know, I just couldn't like go there really. Um, you know, cause I just didn't want to have any expectations at all, but, and I had so many expectations with June. Yeah. That was hard. Okay. I, let's, Let's jump to the boys since you just mentioned them. What are their ages? So George will be six and Peter is three and a half. So with the boys, obviously, like you said, you were definitely being cautious and 
probably thinking the worst. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Um, But was there or could they have had this similar condition as June or was it just walk me through that? So that's also an added layer to all this. So June is technically undiagnosed, which means um, they don't know why she was. So she has all these symptoms and, you know, um, you know, infantile spasms is a symptoms, uh, a symptom, uh, auditory neuropathy is a symptom. She had cortical visual impairment. That's a symptom. Uh, her kidney disease was a symptom. No doctors could figure out what the overarching like genetic or condition was that she had. So we even, you know, she was part of studies. Uh, she was part of the undiagnosed disease network um, with NIH. Still nothing uh, can came up with that. So we saw a geneticist um, before we had George. They said to us, best case scenario, this was just like a fluke, like some genetic mutation. And the chances, like uh, the chances of this happening again are just the general population's chances of this happening. At worst, it could be one in four that like Matt has a recessive gene and I have a recessive gene. And in which case that would be like a one in four odds. So, um, so that was hard. And I met another mom who had a, another child after whose son passed away, unfortunately, too. And he was also undiagnosed. And I remember she said to me, you know, I just kept repeating to myself, odds are in my favor. Odds are in my favor. Because even with one in four, the odds are still in your favor. So that's kind of what I did. I knew I wanted to have, I really wanted to have another child. I wanted to have another like healthy child. And obviously, if my I had another child with the same condition that June had, I would love that child just as much as I love June. But, you know, I wanted that to fulfill that dream too, to have to raise a healthy child. And um, so we just kind of took a leap of faith and, and did it. I'd like to hit pause for a second in this conversation with Ginny to highlight two important features of Blonde in Real Estate. There are so many more, but these two right now, game changers in the real estate game. And we know that the real estate market is crazy right now. So with that being said, you need to know about a property before it hits the market, basically before it goes public. That's one of the top ways people are getting the property that they want. And Blonde in Real Estate has this technology for you to do so. You can get this weekly update where you learn about these properties first. So just go to their website, blondinrealestate.com to sign up for that weekly update. And again, this is one of the best ways to ensure that you are closer to getting what you want. Because then when it goes to the public, it's just, yeah, (laughs) game off is what I'd like to say. The other point that I want to highlight with Blonde and Real Estate, they are a proactive agency. So they're on top of the technology. They are on top of those current trends. They know what's happening. It's a fast-paced situation right now, and they get it done. Blondinrealestate.com. Blondinrealestate.com. All right, unpause. Back to the convo with Jenny. So then he's... Fine, no issues at all. No, he's actually on the 
he's like very, very smart ahead of on his milestones. Like, um, I, I don't know. It's almost like I have two children on opposite ends of like the spectrum with George and June. Um, he's, and I knew the moment I held him that he, like just as a newborn baby, I knew the moment I held him that he was okay because I could tell the difference in his head control just by that, like, I could, I could just feel that he had control of his head, um, of his neck and his head. And same with Peter. Peter was a little more floppy, but like the floppiness of June, it, it's just different. It, uh, I don't know. I just knew the moment I held him. I do not know how you, well, I do know how. Uh, this is what a super mom does. You just say, okay, I need to do more. I need to figure out more. I need to be there for other people. I, I just, hormones are there. The loss of your daughter is there. And while you want to help others, like, how are you even managing life? Um, when June died, it was like such an, so June required a ton of energy. You know, it was, like having a newborn baby and an elderly person all at once uh, in one person. So she required around the clock care in the terms of like an elderly, you know, like 95 year old grandma at the like nursing home. And she also, but also like is your child and kind and like sleeping like a newborn and all that stuff. But it required so much energy for me to care for her. And then, when she died, all of a sudden she was like gone. And I know I had George, but there was something about like wanting to stay connected to that part of June, the, this community of families that I've grown to love. Like here's this club you don't want to be a part of, and but then you're in it and then your child dies and then you're kind of like, well, do I belong in that club anymore? I, I didn't want to be a part of it, but I want to be a part of it still, you know, like, and then you don't really feel like you fit in with typical moms necessarily because what they're complaining about and upset about not that it's not valid and uh, necessary it's just completely different than my world view as a parent so you know it's just kind of trying to find a way to stay connected to June and parent her while she wasn't here and I just felt like you know maybe it was also partly me trying to postpone my grief too like if I can just pour my if I can just keep going if I can just keep going and pour myself into this and then I you know I can go on um so it, it was like a mixture of all those those things and um I knew it was what June would want me to do too like I felt like along the way I learned all these all these things and I, I realized there's so many gaps for parents like ours um, in terms of support and just resources. And I knew what that was. And I felt like I was in a position where I could help fill some of those gaps. I really, I just wanted to do it. I feel like June would want me to take care of caregivers. I don't know why I feel like that's what she just like, I feel like she's was grateful for all we did for her. And I feel I, something made me feel like she was saying, okay, mom, take care of you and take care of, take care of these other parents. They need it. Before we talk about the June Jesse Memorial Foundation, something you said, and, and it made me think about an episode that I did. It was one of 
probably the hardest episodes I recorded, and it was episode 64, A Widower's Advice on Living Life to the Fullest. And that was with Brandon Janice, and he talked about losing his wife, Rachel, to breast cancer in 2020. And they had three kiddos, young, and something that I have written down on my paper planner that I look at every day is hashtag love like Rachel. And it's a reminder to me to, like he said, just live life to the fullest. Like if you, you just want to not get so upset over the little things and also, you know, just even with the kiddos and, and you mentioned the having a different worldview as some other parents and and we'll just use me as the perfect example. I struggle with that. I can sit there and tell you and everybody else that I have the hashtag love like Rachel. I could put something definitely about, which I will, about June as a mm. reminder. And while I may not be practicing it every day, it is a good reminder. I just feel feel like you're probably going to give the same advice when it takes experiencing loss to appreciate and do the things that you want to on a daily basis that I I know I'm not doing. And I didn't know if you do have advice on that Um, because now you, yeah, you have your two boys, Mm -hmm. but you lost your daughter. And I have to, you know, it's not just you. Sometimes, you know, I feel like I'm, I get in it with them and I have to remind myself of some of the lessons I learned with June about, you know, you know, one thing, this is going to sound kind of silly. Like one thing June taught me was accepting limitations in yourself and in others and not like, like, not like, oh, I'm just going to accept it and move on. But just like, be at peace with it and find ways to live life and have relationships with people or um, your family, even if it's not how you would necessarily want it to be. If that make, if that makes like, you know, I didn't want June to have these just dis- quote unquote limitations or disabilities, but, you know, I still found a way to, love her and find joy with her, you know, you know, have a relationship and joy and um, in our day-to-day lives just as best as we could. So like, I don't know, for example, Peter, we're working on potty training. He's struggling. I don't want to get too graphic, but he's struggling with like pooping on the potty. And for some reason, it's just like, he wants to withhold it. And, you know, I'm, I'm having a power struggle with him. Like how, you know, just poop on the potty and he's wanting to withhold it. And it's just, you know, and then I just have to remind myself, okay, this is right now. He's not doing exactly what I want him to be doing. I want him to be pooping on the potty. He does not want to poop on the potty right now. Like that is just how it is. I'm going to step back and accept that this is. And then for some reason that, that for, and once I do, once I've done that, it, it puts ease into the whole process Mm. um, and not so much effort. So I, I don't know if that's the answer you were looking for, but it's just like, um, not that you're looking for an answer. You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Like I, because I think that you probably can, like you said, you get this too, where 
it's hard to not get frustrated in the moment with your kids. They're kids. I mean, they like to push us and test us, but to have a different perspective at times, like I, I just try, I, I try on the daily to go, okay, I don't want to have that argument or that battle define the rest of the day. And, and like, yeah, I just try to think of individuals like you or Brandon and there's loss there. And sometimes it does take that to make you go, all right, I'm going to change the way that I live life and the way I view life. And um, I just think everybody could probably use a lesson in that. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to come from loss. I, I do think I appreciate life in a way that I wouldn't have had June not been here, not even, not even appreciate life, but like appreciate, um, just like the little things with being a parent. I remember when, um, with George, when like he rolled over, like how excited we were that he rolled yeah. over or when he, uh, I don't know, put something in his mouth or we were like, Oh my gosh, you're so wonderful. Um, like, you know, just, <laughs> um, and, and I mean, and then don't even get me started on like the walking and talking and, you know, just even saying mom or, you know, I love you or um, just like little things like that. And um, for that, I I am grateful to have that perspective. Um, I wish I didn't have to, you know, learn it the way I did. But um, I I am grateful to June and our experience with June um, to see that. And also, like, I felt like by the time we had George and Peter, I was like, this is easy. Like I don't, the newborn stage. I mean, like, I was like, why is it that? What? Cause I was so used to a lack of sleep, like on a different level. I was kind of like, oh my gosh, that you feed them. And then they go back to bed. That's interesting. Like, right. I guess you're being woken up, but you're not like waking up to then like give them medicine or bounce them or rot or like, you know, they're not throwing up or, you know, you're not turning them. So it, I don't know, just almost like didn't feel like a big deal. I was kind of like, oh, um, <laughs> not not to say that lack of sleep for newborn parents is it just was it's just a different perspective. Totally. I totally understand and get that. I really do. Well, let's talk about the June Jesse Memorial Foundation. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you want to keep her name and her legacy alive, but uh, you made sure you did this because you want to help others. This goes right back to what we were talking about at the beginning, the love that you're showing the caregivers because it is a tough time. And you indicated that you felt super alone. You had no idea that there were others struggling with this. So let's go into that area of where you are at now. Like I said, after June died, I, you know, I had all these ideas when June was alive. I was kind of like, I'm going to do this. I need, we need to, we need to create this. And, you know, I just didn't have time. And then when she died, um, you know, we put in her obituary, you know, Matt and I had, we knew she was dying when she was dying. She was on hospice. So Matt and I talked a lot and we said that we wanted to start a foundation in her memory and, so we put in the obituary that we were starting um, the June Jesse Memorial Foundation, um, and it was just very vague what we were doing. So after she died, you know, we just kind of put all of our energy in 
what is the June Jesse Memorial Foundation going to be and how are we going to support parents? And I just really wanted it to be a place where people with rare and undiagnosed neurological conditions could go and just get some kind of support because they're, when you don't have a diagnosis, it's so hard to go to, you, you don't have like a support group of something that you can go to because there's no organization that you can find online really. Um, and we learned how we couldn't believe how expensive everything was. I, people used to say to me, aren't you so happy you have insurance? And I was kind of like, well, not really. Um, because <laughs> it's not covering anything. Um, like, you know, nothing was covered. And um, I mean, when I say nothing was covered, it just the copays were so high and what insurance decided to cover what and what they decided not to cover felt like really arbitrary to me. So like June needed a stander because she couldn't bear weight on her feet to help with like digestion or keep her, keep her like at eye level rather than just laying on the ground all the time. And it also helped with like hip alignment and bone strength. And there's just so many benefits to standing, but insurance wouldn't cover that, but they'd cover a wheelchair when they're like, she didn't need a wheelchair. She had, she, she could fit in a stroller. So there wasn't like a reason for her to have a wheelchair. Um, but the standard was $7,000 and you had to pay for that out of pocket or get it loaned to you. Private insurance doesn't cover in-home nursing care for parents. You know, like, like I said, you know, June was also like an elderly person And so you kind of need around the clock care, but you have to pay that out of pocket too. If you, if you want to get a home health nurse to come into your house or any just kind of uh, well-qualified sitter, let's say you have, you know, two working parents who have pretty good jobs. And if they didn't have a child with complex needs, they'd be doing pretty well. But once you get a child with complex needs in there, um, it's going to be paycheck to paycheck pretty, uh, you know, pretty quickly. You know, we had specialist visits. She saw six different specialists, like three times uh, every three months. And, you know, those are like $50 each. And then you have the medication on top of it. So it's, um, so anyway, the, uh, the June Jesse Memorial Foundation helps with financial assistance. Um, We have, resources on our website. And the other thing that I'm really, really excited about is um, we fund free mental health care for parents um, on the neurology floor at Children's Hospital. And that has been really important to me because I don't know what I would have done without my therapist when June was alive. And um, I'm so happy that these parents have somebody that knows what they're going through, like who knows how to, who's just, it's just easy for them to connect with um, Catherine. She's the therapist at Children's and her sole job is just to check in on the parents and, um, and how they're doing. Once they go home, they can follow up and have and see her on a weekly or biweekly basis. It's been over Zoom now, but you know, when things get back and running, they can do in-office visits. So it's not just if you're on the hospital floor, she can provide therapy for the parents um, ongoing. It sounds like Catherine is quite the gym, but (laughs) my fear is that Catherine's going to get tapped out. We need more people like Catherine. 
<laughs> we do. Um, we do. The night, the, the cool thing is, is we think that um, she is the first position at a children's hospital at, uh, on the neurology unit at a children's hospital. And they're actually putting together a paper. When I say they, um, the, some doctors at Children's Hospital are putting together a paper on how beneficial this position has been for parents and why it should be replicated in other epilepsy and neurology centers across the country. So that's really cool. Can I um, sign something? Even though, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> um, something else, and I feel undeserving of this, but I am glad that I got this because it it does make me understand even more what you're trying to do. You obviously, I I don't know all the terminology with it, but you did send me, uh, delivered a, a little care package. And this is a care package that you will give caretakers. And after learning more about that and knowing the contents inside, oh my gosh, for a mom to get this, uh, I, 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 don't, I, yeah. Can you talk about that, please? We like to celebrate the month of June, and that came about because the first June after my June died, I kind of joked and said, oh, there's a month named after our angel, and then um, it just got kind of fun to say her name over and again, over again, and then the following year, we decided to do something during June to like share our love for her with other parents, and um so it started as just, you know, gift bags at Children's Hospital um, on the neurology floor. And um, each year it's grown more and more. And, you know, the reason behind it, you know, when I was at Children's, I remember there were a lot of things for the the children, you know, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. Um, you know, like, you know, dogs come by or characters come by or, you know, all these different things. And with someone like June... Um, where when she's not necessarily aware of kind of her surroundings, it didn't feel like it was necessarily for us. And I wanted to do something to support, like I said, the caregivers and what they might need when they're on in their stay, whether it's like um, a mask or like an eye mask so you can sleep because there's always lights on at the hospital or low hand lotion or... Um, you know, anything like that. And then last year with the pandemic, um, there were less families in patients. So at the hospital, so we thought, why don't we mail these to, to parents? Um, and that was just, or, or deliver them on it locally on their doorsteps. And then, um, so that's how it's kind of evolved more to, to that. And, um, you know, this year I felt like, you know, self-care is like, such a, you know, such a buzzword, especially because I, you know, I honestly feel like a lot of people, normal people, like normal people have gotten a taste of what during the pandemic, what kind of life can be like for a medically complex caregiver, you know, just being so afraid of like, you know, viruses and staying at home and the stress of, you know, homeschooling your child, working and um, being a parent and then trying to find time for yourself. That's like, 
basically what it's like to be a medically complex caregiver, whether it's a pandemic or or not. So, um, you know, that's why with this package, we just really wanted to focus on, you know, just self-care from the inside out. And that I came across this book, Self-Love Workbook, because I heard someone say that best way you can show yourself self-care is to treat yourself with the same loving kindness that you treat other people. And that just kind of clicked for me. Like, that's so easy. Like, you know, you don't have to go get your nails done or get a massage. You can just kind of be nice to yourself um, and um, treat yourself that way. And then I came across this book, um, the self-love workbook for women. And I was drawn to the cover and I just flipped through it. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what a beautiful way to kind of lay the foundation or build on your foundation of loving yourself the way that you treat, you love your child and other people. Well, my word of the year is self-care. Mm-hmm. So this uh-huh. is perfect for me. Um, I just know, like I said, I feel undeserving of these items. But what I will say is when I look at this, I will always think of June. I will always oh. think about what you guys are doing. And I, I think that that's just the beautiful thing. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that this is just going to continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And June will be with everyone all along the way. Um, oh. Let's talk about the way people can get a hold of you what you are looking for, what you're in need of, because I want to make sure we take care of that as we wrap up this episode. Yeah. So we are on Instagram and Facebook. Um, It's at June Jesse Memorial Foundation on Facebook and at the JJMF on Instagram. And our email address is just info at junejesse.org. And they can email us you know, with questions, or if you know of a parent who's in need of support, or um, just someone to talk to, we, I, or, you know, some of the other parents that have gotten involved in the organization are always happy to connect, uh, to connect with new, new parents, new moms, new dads. We've been, we started hosting our um, parents' nights out again. We had our first one in a year and a half on Tuesday at Katie's Pizza in Town and Country. And it was just so fun. And, you know, we, we talked, we commiserated, but we also just had a lot of uh, fun. And in terms of what we need, you know, if you ever in-kind donations for some of these gift packages are great. Or if you know of um, anyone who wants to sponsor an any events or donate. I mean, every little bit counts. It could be $2, it could be $20 or $200, you know, it all adds up. So anything is great. I'm glad you said that because I'm also that firm believer of every dollar counts where yes, some people don't think that, but it does. Like you just don't know. And also just the in-kind sponsorship too. I mean, there are so many different amazing organizations in this area that would be perfect for this box. And I did want to mention, and I first learned about Sammy Soap 
uh, not too long ago. I think I actually reached out to them, but this is a location in Kirkwood where it's a job creation for yeah. adults with intellectual disabilities. And now these individuals have uh, like this opportunity to work and be mm -hmm. included where they may not be included in other things. And I love that. And they um, are part of the little box that you deliver to. I just, it's things like that. I mean, when you think about what impact you can make on people in so many different levels, just by like one little box or by $1, yeah. it really does make a difference. Yeah. I had one mom who at the parents night told me when she last year, when she got her care package at her doorstep, cause she wasn't expecting it. She's like, I just started crying because it was made me feel so good and so thoughtful and it just you know it is so nice to just you know sometimes just get like and that made me feel really good and warm my heart and I was just like um but it does go such a long way like just to, like they're not expecting it just to say like here we we just want to brighten your day you know and that's the other thing with June's foundation is you know I couldn't cure her I couldn't you know, quote unquote, fix her. And, you know, unfortunately, I can't do that with these other parents, children, but I can do something to make their day just a little bit brighter. And I can offer them support and I can um, do something nice for them. And, you know, I just like to focus on what I, what I can do and not what I can't do. Well, I will tell you again, that it made me feel loved. And I am a mom to two healthy girls that I cannot take advantage of at all. Like I need to always remember that. So I understand how this must feel for those other moms. I'd like to wrap up this conversation with something that struck me when I saw it. Um, you like to have this certain quote um, that is associated with June and obviously the foundation. And so you found this quote from an author and you have it on a lot of your printed material. Would you share the quote and the reason why this quote really spoke to you? So it's a quote that says, and since all this loveliness cannot be heaven, I know in my heart it is June. And this quote spoke to us when during our first month of June celebration because it just summed up what we wanted to do. Um, we wanted to shower parents with love and kindness and joy. And it's the month of June and we're just kind of saying it's June. I don't um, So it was just cute and went along with what, what we were trying to do. So it's perfect. And I can already tell that this is exactly what June would want. So mm -hmm. Jenny, thank you. Thank you so much for taking time to come on the podcast, sharing June's story and just thinking of others. I mean, it is, it says something about you for sure as a mother, a wife and a human being. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. New episodes of the podcast, Two Kids in a Career, launch every Wednesday. And next week's episode, episode 78, will feature Rob Sima. So Rob is the VP of the Missouri Pyrotechnics Association. And I thought with 4th of July right around the corner, 
It never hurts to talk fireworks safety, not only with the kiddos and with animals, but even adults. We need to be educated on this. And we're also going to talk about something pretty fun, the 16th annual Sky Wars Fireworks Championship. So tune in next week to get educated on all things fireworks just in time for 4th of July. Here we go with this week's Supermom shout-out. Nominated by Jamie, she is nominating Kelly. She said she is a dear friend who's been through a difficult few years. She continuously finds ways to better herself and be an example that her daughter can admire. She is her daughter's champion and will move heaven and earth to make sure her daughter knows how loved she is. She's a single mom that works full-time during the week and has taken on a second job on weekends helping with COVID vaccinations. All of this being said, the thing I most admire about her as a super mom is that she doesn't sweat the small stuff and makes time for lots of laughs, big, huge bellowing laughs that are contagious that she inherited from her mother, Debbie, and that will now be forever ingrained within three generations. Kelly, I see you and I support you. You are going to be getting that special Supermom t-shirt from Addie's Way. And if you have a nomination, all you have to do is email me, hello at jilldevine.com. Just tell me her name, where she's from, and why you're nominating her. Or you can go to jilldevine.com and you can see all of the Supermoms that are there. And there's a nice little form that says everything that we need for the Supermom shout-out. And then she'll get that shout-out in an upcoming episode of Two Kids in a Career, along with social media shout-outs. And again, that special shirt from Addie's Way. And before we wrap it up, I would just like to ask you if you would support the podcast by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to it on whatever platform you are using to listen to the podcast. I really appreciate the help and the support. And thanks for listening to Two Kids and a Career.